Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 10, familiar passage to a number of us. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against or withstand the wiles or the strategies, the plots, the schemes of the devil. Well, what are the plots and schemes of the devil? We see in Mark chapter 4. Affliction, which is pressure brought by circumstance. Persecution, which is pressure brought through people. Cares of this world, which is distractions, anxiety, and worry. Deceitfulness of riches, which are lies about money. And then the lust of other things with inordinate strong desires of other things. Those are Satan's five tactics. They are clouded in deceit and lies and pressure. And he do, does those things so that he can steal kill and destroy we know from mark chapter 4 we talk about how he operates we know the pressure comes from the outside affliction and persecution but the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things are internal attacks when he studied mark chapter 4 those things grow from the soil in that parable the soil is the heart so what does satan do he tries to sow seeds remember satan is a counterfeit he tries to act like God. God is a sower, right? And he told us to be sowers. We talked about that earlier. But Satan also seeks to sow, and he seeks to sow things into your heart. He seeks to sow cares, worry, anxiety, and distractions into your heart. He seeks to sow deceitfulness of riches. And so what is deceitfulness of riches? Lies about money. If you believe that money is evil, you have a lie about money in your heart. If you believe that money will fix everything in your life, you have a lie about money in your heart. If you believe money over everything, you are believing lies about money. And so wherever you fall on the spectrum, if you do not have a biblical view about what God says about money, you believe a lie about money. You say, well, the Bible says money is real. No, it doesn't. It says the love of money. And that phrase in the Greek means extreme avarice. So that's extreme, extreme greed is the root of all evil. How many of you can be extremely greedy and broke? You can be extremely greedy and rich. It has nothing to do with what's in your bank account. It has everything to do with what's in your heart and your mind. And then in order to strong desires, one of the things we have to watch out for, because that is an area that can sneak up upon us. Because when we say in order to strong desires, people see the word lust and they talk about sex. And that is one of the areas but it's not just that. It's an inordinate strong desire for something that's going to get in the way of what God wants you to do. And so you develop desires that, okay, I want that, but have you submitted that desire to the plan of God? Or have you put that desire in place of the plan of God? And so if it's too strong, meaning it is not in its place, it will grow in the heart. And notice, it grows right along with the Word. It says the Word is growing, but so is the anxiety, 
So is the deceitfulness of riches, and so is the lust of other things. And what does it do? It chokes out the word, which means the word becomes unfruitful. There is still a word plant. So it still looks like you got the word sometime in your life, but the word is not working for you. One of the things you do with your desires as you take them to God, say, God, this is something I really want. And first, you make sure that desire lines up with the word. Because God's not going to give you a desire that doesn't line up in his word. Let me say it this way. Ooh, I want that person as my husband. They married. That ain't from God. Keep going, keep going, keep going. You make sure that the desire lines up with the word of God and then the will of God for your life. And then before you just take off, well, I'm just going to go get that desire. Okay, sir, what is your plan for me to have that, sir? Okay, you want me to have that, but you know, sometimes we get these God ideas. like, oh, I got this God idea. I'm going to go hustle and get it. Hustle is good, but you hustle under the blessing. You hustle under the grace of God. You hustle the way God tells you to hustle. But what happens is sometimes we get the God idea and we try to get it our way. And then we wonder, well, why don't I have what God promised? Why don't I have my God idea? Why is it not working? Well, you got the idea, but you stay long enough to get the concept. Did you stay long enough with the presence of God to get the plan of God? It's not just the idea, it's getting the plan on how it's supposed to come to pass. And that's where a lot of Christians who hear from God fall short. They get the idea, and they're excited, and you should be excited. And you just take off running, but you may run in the wrong direction. So you have to stay long enough before God to get the plan and consistently check in. Am I still on path? Or do I need a course correction, sir? Because you can get off. It doesn't mean you did something bad. It just means you just need a little course correction. How many know it's good for pilots when they're flying to keep making sure they're going the right direction? Is that good? Because, you know, if they get one degree off and they travel long enough, instead of being in New York City, they'd be in London. And some of you are like, I'm supposed to be in New York right now, but, you know, I'm having tea. I'm getting ready to see King Charles the coordinator. How did I get over here? Did you check along the way? And it's not just checking, well, I checked at the beginning of the year. No, 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 check throughout the year. Well, I remember at the top of the year, God really talks to me. That's because you set your faith to hear from him. A lot of people hear from him at the beginning there because they set their faith to hear from him about the year. And if you would get to the point where you set your faith to hear from him every day, guess what? You hear him. So you have to check in with him all the time. Just acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He doesn't just talk to preachers. He doesn't just talk to prophets and the super prayer warriors. He talks to his children. But guess what? He also talks to people who ain't his children. There are tons of people who are not saved who heard God talk to them. And they, they call it a vibe. They call it a feeling or something told me not to go there. You've all seen them on the news. They're in a place where they shouldn't have been, and they say, oh, something told me not to be here. That wasn't a something. It was a someone. His name is the Holy Ghost. He talks to everybody. But sometimes we try to make it too deep. It's like, oh, God can't talk to me because I don't feel spiritual right now. Well, that's most of the time, right? Let's be honest. How many times do you feel spiritual just all the time? No. Adam and Eve, here's a biblical example. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, were they sinners? Yes, when they sinned. Full-blown sinners. Did the glory lift off of them? 
Yes. Was the curse in the earth? Yes. Were they separated from God? Yes. But how do they hear full sentences from God? Change your perspective. If God could talk to Adam and Eve after they just sinned, and now they're under bondage of the devil, how can you hear from God, you saved, sanctified, blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled saint of the Most High God? Jesus said his sheep can hear his voice, and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. I just choose to believe Jesus over you. You say, well, Jesus doesn't talk to me. He says he does. I believe him. Now, if you're walking around with your fingers in your ears, then maybe that's why you don't hear. He's always trying to talk to you. He likes to talk. He does. But you have to acknowledge him. And you have to believe that he wants to talk to you. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's keep going. I stopped somewhere on here. Oh, yeah, wiles of the devil. That's where we stopped. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so your enemy ain't people. Your enemy is not somebody who has a different melanin shade than you. Oh, it's the man. Well, what man? Black man, white man, Mexican man, his man. No, they ain't your enemy. It's a Republican. They ain't them either. It's the Democrats. Ain't them either. It's the police officers, ain't them either. It's the politicians, ain't them either. Oh, it's the people on Wall Street, ain't them either. It's the billionaire, ain't them either. It's the lazy, ain't them either. Who is your enemy? It ain't people. But if you let Satan trick you and tell you it's people, you will live deceived. but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the rank and file of Satan's kingdom. Satan's kingdom is highly organized and highly disciplined. That's why they beat Christians, because Satan's kingdom is disciplined and organized, and we believers are not. Has a demon beat your discipline? Back to the scripture. <laughs> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is the evil day? The day when stuff pops off. That is the evil day. And having done all to stand, not saying, oh, I'm barely holding on, Lord Jesus. No, you've done all and now you are standing victoriously. Not, oh, I don't know, Jesus, I need you to come through. No, you are standing. I've done everything God said. So I'm standing, and I know I will see the salvation of the Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Standing victoriously. Stand, therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all or in front of all, taking the shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith is like the shield the Roman soldier had was like the shape of a door. That's why we redesigned our logo to look like the shield. 
That is like the shield the Roman soldier would carry. And each shield was carefully crafted for the soldier who carried it, so it would cover the body of the soldier. And so he says, in front of all, put that shield of faith, and with that shield, you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Quench them. Now, one of the things I understand about the fiery darts, well, we'll tell you about them, and let's finish this passage. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, the fiery darts of the wicked, you have to think about these darts or these arrows. When you think about arrows being shot, the purpose is not just for them to hit someone, but it's to stick, right? But they're on fire. These fiery darts weren't just meant to stick, they were meant to explode upon impact. And when they exploded upon impact, the soldier who was hit would catch on fire. That is the true purpose of that arrow. So Paul was saying, using the example of the Roman soldier, put that door of faith in front of you. So when it hits the shield, if it explodes, you feel the impact, but you're not on fire. A lot of Christians have spiritual burn damage because they threw down their faith. You felt an impact. You're like, oh, God, I don't know how you let that happen to me. You threw down your shield. It's like, I'm just going to go home and play by myself. And now you on fire because the arrows kept coming. You know the arrows don't stop just because you threw down your shield? It's like, you know, we have these two games being played today. And so how many know the defense is trying to tackle the quarterback or whoever may have the ball, right? That is what they're going to do today. How many know it's not a deep example? That is what they are paid to do. Get the dude with the football. You say, well, I don't even know what football, I don't even know anything about the sport. You know that. They're supposed to tackle the dude with the ball, right? We're all on the same page, right? Now, what happens if the person running with the ball sees someone trying to tackle them, and they drop the ball and run away? I'm sure there's going to be some conversation with the coach afterwards. And it says, what did you do? Well, they are trying to tackle me. Of course, they're trying to tackle you. That is the name of the game. That's how this thing works. Of course, Satan attacked you. That is the name of the game. Don't fumble the football. Don't drop the word of God. Hold on until you score. Hold on till the victory shows up. Hold on no matter what Satan throws against you because God is true. Let every man be a liar. God is faithful. He will come through, but you got to hold on. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Not sure how far I get in this message. Second Corinthians chapter 10. He sends arrows. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's look at some of these arrows he sends. There's different ones. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons, plural, of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down or the demolition of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to 
to the obedience of Christ. When you look at the word strongholds and imaginations, and then you see the word thought later, it's talking about your thought life. This word for strongholds was used to talk about castles and fortresses, but also in the first century of AD, there was a philosopher who stood in the Roman court who would use it to talk about strong arguments people would take and identify with. And so some of the arrows Satan uses are thoughts. He will send thoughts your way. What do you do with the thoughts the enemy sends? Because when the enemy sends the thoughts, it may not sound like him. It may sound like you. And the thing is, you have a tendency to believe you above everybody else. Even if it's crazy, you believe you. Someone else said it, man, they crazy, they lost their mind. You said it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The enemy sends thoughts. That's one of the fiery darts. What do you do with the thoughts that he sends? That's one of the tactics of his warfare. And you're going after your goals this year. You're going after the plan of God for your life this year. He will send thoughts. You have to understand this way. My wife and I were talking about this example a couple months ago, and she was saying this person was having this reoccurring dream. And this person in their family before them had the same reoccurring dream. And they said, they said, we don't know if it was just everybody in the area did it or the family. And I said, well, here's why. The enemy, because this wasn't a dream from God, it was a dream from the enemy. I said, the enemy is after their mouth. This whole spirit world works to go after your mouth. Because if he can keep giving you this dream, giving you this thought, eventually it's going to come out of your mouth. And you will agree with it. And see, the thing is, and this part of this dream was about someone dying early and dying young. They kept having this thought. They kept having this dream. And eventually what Satan was trying to do is get it to come out their mouth so he has an open door. The spirit world is after your imagination and your mouth. I'll say it again. The spirit world is after your imagination and your mouth. Why? This whole universe was created by words. Hebrews says this whole thing is held together by the word of his power. So the spirit world on the side of the kingdom of light and on the kingdom of darkness is after your imagination, and we'll talk about that later, and your mouth. Because your mouth is your address in the spirit world. So what have you been saying? Because the enemy is after your thoughts so you can get it to come out your mouth. Think about how powerful your words are. How did you get saved? You believed and you said something. It got you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light. Whatever you are saved by, you live by. But so many people have only practiced that principle to get saved. And they wonder why they don't see heaven in their life, they just see hell. Well, yes, you're going to heaven when you die, but you keep saying everything else hell wants you to say. That's why you have hell on earth. The enemy is after your imagination and your mouth. I remember hearing the story from Dad Hagen. He told this course decades ago, because Dad Hagen's been in heaven about a couple decades now. 
And he says, I think this is the beginning of their ministry, whether it's a school or the church, that there was this, you know, influential couple. They were anointed. I think one led praise and worship, anointed couple, young family, just, just all around good people. And one day, this, the young man, the husband, fell sick. And so it was a very bad, very negative report. And the whole church got together, that whole group got together and prayed. Now, these people who knew how to pray. These weren't people who learned, just were trying to learn. These were some praying people. And Dad Hagen's up there leading. He's on his knees praying. Everybody is praying and interceding for this one gentleman. And when Dad Hagen bowed his knees to prayer, the Lord told him, he said, spiritual laws have been put into motion, and they cannot be reversed at this time. The gentleman will die. But he was saved. He was sanctified. He was holy. He was serving the ministry. And sure enough, the person did die. And so Dad Hagen, you know, he didn't know what to do with that. How many of you would you know what to do with that? You're like, what? And so he's at the home going for this young man. And he overhears some of his friends say, they said, you know, what's interesting? His whole life, he said he was going to die at this age. And he did. He had been saying it since he was like six years old. Somehow, the enemy got to his thoughts. He'd been saying out of his mouth for decades. The door was open for sickness to grab his body. And although you had hundreds of saints praying, they could not reverse the spiritual law that was put in motion. His words put it in motion. The enemy's after your thought life because he's after your mouth. I remember a number of years ago that I was still living in Tulsa as a student at ORU, and I was staying off campus. And I remember waking up one morning, and I'm like, and I just had in my heart, okay, you need to get back to your, you need to get to your car. It was, I don't know if it was early or whatever, you need to get to your car and get some stuff out, because I hadn't finished unloading all my stuff in the car, and I was just exhausted. I said, you know, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And for whatever reason, I delayed. And so by the time I get to my car, my car had been broken into. I already had a witness in my heart, and I'm like, man, I missed it. And so they took some stuff from my car. Of course, you cover the window, do all the stuff you have to do. But I noticed something over the next few days, maybe a few weeks, that there were a consistent barrage of thoughts that somebody was after me, that somebody was trying to do me harm, that somebody was trying to get me. That's, it just kept coming to my mind again and again and again. And I realized something. That's the enemy. He attacked but now he's trying to destroy by taking over my thought life and make me paranoid that somebody's trying to get me. And so the day I realized, oh, he's overplayed his hand. So I went into the apartment where I was and I lifted my hands and I began to sing songs about the blood. And all of those thoughts and harassing spirits fled. I realized the attack. I realized the arrows. I realized the strategy. And I know Satan hates the blood. So I'm going to sing about the blood. I'm going to sing how it reaches to the highest mountain, how it goes to the lowest valley. I'm going to sing about the blood. And guess what? All those thoughts fled and never came back. One of the things you also have to understand is that when you take steps forward, Satan will send a barrage of thoughts. I remember a few years ago in 2018, 2019, when the Lord was dealing with me about creating the Faith Plus app and do all the stuff we do streaming then. And at first, you know, I was like, well, when the Lord told me, okay, you need to do it. And I was like, well, God, I already had a lot on my plate. And I, I, I don't know if I have room to do this. And he just said, you need to do this. 
And I, you know, I was bouncing off a few other people who you know, I pray with, and they were like, you know, that, that bears witness with us. You need to keep going forward with it. And you know, I'm still delaying. I said, well, maybe I'll just put it off for a year. And the Lord said to me so clearly, well, if you don't do this, there'll be blood on your hands. And I said, one, that sounds gross, so yuck. And two, yes, sir, I'll do it. And so I began to step forward and do it. Obey and obey the leading of the Spirit of God. And as I do it, I notice there's a wave of thoughts coming after me. Anytime something happens at church, every time, doesn't matter what it was, it'll be thought, well, see, that's why you shouldn't do Faith Plus. Normal stuff. See, that's why you shouldn't do Faith Plus. Oh, that's why you shouldn't do Faith Plus. And it kept going again and again. I said, oh, I know exactly what this is. You're scared of what I'm about to do. So I'm going to do it anyways. And I just kept pushing through. And I remember one time I'm working on all this, and I'm out of the country because I'm going to preach in Bulgaria. And so I have a layover in a Middle Eastern country. And so I'm enjoying my layover working on this. I have the word in one ear, and in the background, I hear the call to prayer. And I smile to myself, and I send letters to people to be part of Faith Plus. And what happened was, we didn't know what was about to happen in 2020. But everything we did to get Faith Plus ready made sure we could operate seamlessly in the midst of a global pandemic. I didn't see what was coming. God did, so that's why he told me what to do. And the enemy was trying to stop us. But you have to learn how to reject those thoughts and push through those thoughts. It's fiery darts. He will try to affect your thought life, but as well as your emotions. So when you realize these are thoughts or arrows, you know these thoughts aren't always from you. Because there's sometimes you'll go into different places and you just have these random thoughts that you're like, you never deal with thoughts like that. Like, where did that come from? One of the things you have to understand with principalities and powers, they sit over certain territories. And they fire certain things in certain areas. And so you just realize you cross into a territory where that principality strategy is different. And he's just trying to see if you pick up on it. What do you have to do? You rebuke it. You reject it. No, I don't receive that. And then you pray, Father, whoever else is dealing with this, I ask that you deliver them for this. Satan sliced, you slice back. Because just because you know how to reject it, that doesn't mean someone else does. But your prayers come between them and the strategy of the enemy. And I'm not saying you have to enter your prayer closet and pray for them, because sometimes what happens as you're driving, and you don't have time to pull over and go full spiritual warfare mode, but you can say, Father, I pray for whoever else is dealing with this thought that you deliver them. You may not meet them to heaven and say, hey, you remember when you were driving down I-20 and you had that thought? I was too, and when you prayed, God stepped in. That's how these things work. The spirit world is very real. I remember years ago, my wife and I have told you guys this and our testimony of this about how we had two losses before we were able to get pregnant the first time. And we talked over the miracles and how we have four wonderful kids today and what God did in our lives and then how God healed us internally. But I remember during that process when I was going through and I was, there was a lot of different things we were both going through with, but internally I was just very angry. Not angry with anyone specifically, it was just consistent anger. And I talked to someone about this. I said, you know, nothing's going to stop me from doing what God's told me to do. And but they told me, if you don't deal with this anger, it's going to slow you down. And so this anger was consistently there. And it was just nothing that happened to make me angry. It was just a consistent anger. And I remember one Wednesday night, we're having our Bible study. And, you know, I hadn't even started teaching yet, but I was just talking about the authority of the believer. And I somehow we have authority over the enemy. And I said, every harassing spirit, you get out of this place. And the anger left. 
And I realized the enemy was trying to manipulate my emotions. There are lying thoughts, but they're also lying emotions. And just because you feel something doesn't mean it's right. You have to understand how the enemy works. Because some people believe like, you know, oh, believers can be possessed. No, you can't. If you are saved, that means the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. He does not allow roommates. If you are saved, you cannot be possessed. Now, you can be obsessed. You can be oppressed. You can be depressed. See, the enemy can't get into your spirit, so he'll try to hang around your mind. He'll try to hang on body parts. And sometimes there's some sicknesses, not all sicknesses, but there's some sicknesses that are caused by what the Bible calls a spirit of infirmity. And no matter what treatment the doctor does, it's like, we just can't figure it out. It doesn't respond to medicine, doesn't respond to surgery, it's still there. And sometimes, not all the times, the root is a spirit of infirmity. And so we've had that happen times where we prayed for people, and anytime the Lord leads us this way, I always do the extra teaching with what I just explained to you. And there are times when the Lord tells us, tell it to come out. Now, the person ain't possessed, but there's a demon that tried to grab onto that organ. We've seen that with someone, I remember there was one case, I remember this in all cases, it was someone who was having some type of mental health struggles. And in this specific thing, it wasn't something that could be addressed by a therapist. I believe in anointed therapists. Thank God they're on the earth. Thank God they're part of the body of Christ. So there are things that need to be addressed by therapists and counselors and all those different things. But this specific individual was dealing things with things that were caused by spirits signed to harass them. And the doctors have put them on different medicine. And we laid hands on them. And the instruction was, because there's three individuals who came up, and God said, tell it to come out. So I did. The power of God hit all three individuals. They laid out on the floor. And then I received a letter from one of them later. They said, I went back to the doctor. And the doctor tested me and took me, out of two, took me off of two of my three medicines. And I'm believing for God to take the third one soon. Not every cause is the devil but some are. You have to realize the spirit world is real. You have an enemy, so you need to understand how to fight him. And if you fight him in the flesh, you will lose. But if you fight him by faith, you fight him by the word of God, you fight him by the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will win every time. So you have to understand these arrows, their thoughts, there are emotions, and if you have a thought that's contrary to the Word of God, you just reject it. Like, I ain't think about that. Or as Pastor Kyle Gatewood taught us, you say, that's not my thought. You reject it. You have an emotion that's not lessly. No, I choose not to. Because sometimes it is the enemy, and other times it's just you. That you don't want to be nice to somebody. So I just don't want to. I, I, they did this, I don't want to. So you know how to get your flesh real quick in charge with that? Don't want to bless someone? Don't be nice to someone? Bless them. Buy him something. Your body learns to be nice after you spend your own money. You get a good attitude. Oh, I don't want to spend no more of my money, so I'm going to love them. You also have to learn to reject sickness and disease this way. Yes, I'm not saying that every cause of sickness and disease is a devil. Some things are viruses in the earth. Some things are bad eating choices. Some things are injuries. 
There's a number of different reasons why you may face some type of sickness, disease, or affliction in your body, but sometimes it is a devil. But whether it's a devil or not, you have learned to fight the sickness, to fight the disease. Stop, don't take the disease. Well, I'm catching, I'm catching a cold, well, drop it. Stop holding on to stuff that ain't yours. That flu ain't yours. But one of the things, when you grow with God long enough, you learn to recognize patterns. And one of the things with COVID, I'm not a COVID denier, it was real, it still is real. It is a real virus, it is a real disease, it is evil. It is from hell, it ain't from God. It is from hell. Now, one of the things I noticed about this virus is that what came with it when watching people was not only was it a virus that did bad on the human body, but with it came shame. A lot of pandemics is fear, but with it came shame and fear where people were ashamed to talk about if they caught the virus. They were afraid to catch it, and when they caught it, they're afraid to do what they're going to do, and they were ashamed to tell others, I have the virus. That's not normal, guys. So it was a virus in the earth. It is a virus in the earth, but with so many cases, the devil was working in overdrive to steal, kill, and destroy as many as possible, make them ashamed so they couldn't get help, make them afraid so he could open doors to do more. So no matter what grabs your body, you got to fight it. And so, like... I've, we fought off COVID twice. Not once, twice. So I've never had it. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I remember the last time that with it tried to come this headache. And I don't do headaches. So I talked back. And you know what happened when I talked back? The headache left. And it tried to come on me later. And I said, get off me. And it left. You have to talk back to symptoms. Whether the cause of the sickness and the disease is a virus or the enemy or whatever else is in the earth, you have to fight it with your faith and fight it with wisdom. If you're facing a sickness and disease, you probably shouldn't have all the candy in the world. Well, the doctor gave me medicine. Well, take your medicine every time. So, Father, I thank you that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm not telling you to stop taking your medicine. I'm saying put your faith into work with it. God has put doctors in the earth for a reason. A lot of us say, well, either or, not either or, why not both? Has God called doctors? Yes. Has he anointed doctors? Yes. So you should get yourself one. But God has also called us to use our faith and apply spiritual principles. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a physical body. You have to make sure you're taking care of your spirit, that you're taking care of your soul, and you're taking your physical body. You have to do all of it. Not one or the other, all of it. And the wisdom of God by the Spirit of God will tell you how to do each and everything. God will lead you to the right doctrine. God will tell you what to do and what not to do. Because how many know if there's a serious situation, you should get multiple opinions? How many know you need to advocate for your own health care? If you don't know that, I'm telling you, you need to advocate for your own health care. You need to get multiple opinions. So well, I don't know what to do. I'm so glad we have so many medical professionals in this church. You ask them, they'll tell you exactly what to do. And so I remember one of the times, and we've already talked about one of our uh, challenges one of our daughters had and how God has done miracles working in her life and healing her body. But we were still in this beginning of the journey, still trying to figure out what was going on. 
And I'm usually at every appointment, but for some reason I think I was with the other kids and I wasn't at this appointment. And there was this doctor who advised us to do something. And my wife called and said, I don't have peace with it. I said, then get out there quickly and don't do it. So what did she do? Got out there quickly and didn't do it. We went back to the next doctor and said, I am so glad you didn't do it because that would have brought harm to her. So in everything you do, you listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you. And if he tells you don't go somewhere, you just don't go. So why, why aren't you not going? I'm just not going. You don't have to give everybody a reason. And you have to teach your kids to the point that they're confident and you hear from the Holy Ghost. So when they ask to go someplace, they say, yeah, we're not going there. I don't have peace with it. They don't go, oh, man, I don't know why. They know you actually take time to pray about what they should do or not. And they just say, you know what? I don't know why. I may not agree, but I'm going to trust mommy and daddy hear from God. It should be in your kid's head that God talks to us. And you train them to not just hear that they know that mom and dad hear from God, but they hear from God too. Because when your kids got saved, they didn't get the Holy Ghost Junior. When they got saved, they got the same Holy Ghost you got. So you remind them God talks to you. I remember the other day, two of my ghosts told me they're doing this tea party and they're doing, uh, you know, setting everything up. And they said, well, guess who we invited? I was thought they were going to talk to me or talk, they invited mommy or one of the others. It's like, oh, no, we invited Jesus. I said, okay. So you think he'll show up? Yeah. I'm not going to tell him Jesus doesn't appear because he does. And if Jesus shows up at the tea party, I want to hear about it. <laughs> that is a story I'll cherish and make sure I'm at the next tea party. <laughs> We have to be careful what we tell our kids. You know, people say, like, you know, say, well, God is invisible. Yes, well, can we see him? When he wants us to, yes. We can't say you can't see God, yes. He will appear when he wants to. We can't make him appear in a physical way, but if he wants to, he is open to do so. You see that all throughout the book of Acts. He did it. He just kept showing up. He likes showing up with his people. Sometimes you'll sense his presence, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you see him, sometimes you won't. We can't set our faith to see him because that's not promised to us. But what our faith is said, he's always with us. But we're retraining how we think and how we believe to live in an expectation of the manifestation of God's glory. But as we do this to go after what God has for us, we have to be aware of the strategy of the enemy. It says, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. I heard Dr. Billy Brim say it this way. He says, you know, there's so many times in the New Testament where God says, don't be ignorant of something. But you know, the majority of the body of Christ are exactly ignorant on the things that God told them don't be ignorant on. And so we can't be ignorant of his devices because remember, Satan is after your imagination and your mouth. Yes, to disrupt your life, but also disrupt the plan of God for when believers come together. I put a lot of scriptures in the notes and you guys can look at them another day. But Mark chapter 10, verse nine. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, we know in this context, it's talking about marriage, right? But how many know there's other things God joins together? 
How many know there are supernatural relationships, supernatural friendships that God has put you in connection with? How many know that? How many know when God brings us together as a church, it's supernatural? That what we're doing right here, God joined us together, right? Whatever God has joined together, don't you dare separate. You see, you have to understand that each and every one of us is anointed, right? How many are anointed? If you call yourself Christian, you identify with the anointed. Say, I'm anointed. When we come together and when we have relationships and when we do life together, the anointings on our individual life come together and combine and form a corporate anointing. And Satan is trying to disrupt anointings combining. Because when anointings combine, the kingdom of darkness suffers. So he always tries to sow strife and division to keep anointings from coming together to keep what God has joined from coming together. And we just talk about how he will send thoughts. Why? Because he's after your mouth. How will Satan disrupt a body of believers? Through a mouth of somebody who will yield. That's why Proverbs talks about gossip. Proverbs and Thessalonians. You read what it says in Ephesians and Thessalonians to the saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled folk. Stop gossiping. Stop lying. Because the enemy is always looking for an open door to get someone's mouth to cause trouble. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Notice it's a root. Well, where does a root start? With a seed. Remember I told you Satan is a sower. The seed eventually produces a root, and from that root comes bitterness that defiles many. And sometimes it comes off with wisdom. So, oh, you know, don't get your drink. I know what pastor said, but don't get your hopes up too high this year because, you know, I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm just trying to protect your feelings. And come on, use wisdom. That's not wisdom. That's bitterness. Because what follows that statement is, well, you know what happened to me? Okay, so now your life is the standard, not the word. Bitterness. And many be defiled. Or they say, well, I don't know why pastor did that. It was not pastor. It's pastor. I don't know why he made that decision. I just don't know why. And first you have to ask somebody, well, why are you talking to me about it? See, I learned this example from a brother Copeland told years ago. About decades ago, he was in a meeting. Someone didn't like what he's preaching about faith. And so there was a meeting full of preachers, full of pastors. And the pastor was gossiping. So oh, pastors gossip, they people too. If they don't submit themselves to the word of God, they act just like everybody else. And this pastor was just going off on him. So I don't know why he preaches that. I don't know why he teaches that, just going off. And this other person was more mature in the things of God. And he just grabbed his hand and pulled him with them and took the microphone and says, Brother so-and-so has a burden on his heart to pray for Brother Copeland. So let's all bow our heads and pray for him right now. And the man looked straight up. Yes, Lord, we pray for him. He shut it down. When someone comes with you to gossip and slander, shut it down. And they keep talking, well, you must want to pray for them. Come on, let's intercede right now. Let's pray right now. Because the enemy is always looking for someone who will let him use their mouth. And if you be that someone, 
Ask yourself, why do you feel the need to talk to somebody else about it? Now, I'm not talking about you have a prayer partner, accountability partner that you talk about the things you go through. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you coming to spiritual leadership, hey, I'm having this thought. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just calling someone random. One, why do you feel the need to tell somebody? Judge your heart and judge what you're saying. And are you that person, if that person doesn't agree with you, you call somebody else? And you keep searching for somebody else until someone agrees with you? Yeah, that's the enemy. Save, sanctified self. Why? He's trying to disrupt the anointings, and you've yielded your mouth. This is his strategy. It's what he does. Just because the whole world gossips doesn't mean you should. Just because gossip is a multi-billion dollar industry in this nation doesn't mean you need to gossip. Just because we live in a clickbait culture that makes you open stuff because it seems scandalous doesn't mean you need to open it. You know, there may be a number of ministers that I don't agree with, but I ain't gonna talk about them. Why? Jesus said, who are you to judge another man's servant? It ain't me. Because sometimes everything you read is not true. Anybody realize that? Not everything online is true. Let me tell you that, if you didn't know, not everything you see on social media or in the newspaper or on TV is true. So, well, what if it is? Well, is it your business to address? No. Do you have any connection to it? No. So why are you talking about it? Did you pray about it? Well, no. So are you helping or are you hurting? I remember years ago, this uh, dream I had when I was still a student at Oral Roberts University. And one of the jobs I had then, so at my senior year, I was working like four jobs and taking 18.5 credit hours. And so people would look at me like, how are you doing that? I said, grace and caffeine, grace and caffeine. And so one of the jobs I had was to hold forums when we would talk about major issues of the day, we'd come talk about it together and get biblical solutions for it. And sometimes we'd hold forums for the purpose of prayer. And so in this dream, I was walking down the hallway with a ministry couple that was in the news at that time. And there was a situation going on in their lives that wasn't a big scandal, it was just their family was dissolving and people were talking about it. They didn't do anything wrong to the people, it was nothing wrong in the eyes of the public, it was just some personal issues in their house. And so I remember I was walking this couple down the hall to this forum for the purpose of praying. Everybody had gathered, so we are going to pray for this couple together. And so when we began to start this meeting, that I couldn't get anyone to pray. Everybody was just talking, well, why, well, why didn't you guys do this? Well, you guys taught us to do this. Why didn't you do what you taught us? Like everybody is talking, asking questions, running their mouth. And I couldn't get anybody to pray. And I woke up and heard the voice of God. And he says, so many situations in the body of Christ will be handled if my people will pray, but all they want to do is talk. I remember one time recently, there was something I saw, you know, in the body of Christ and people I'm connected with, and I just didn't agree with. And I'm not talking to anybody about this. I'm just in my heart talking about this. And I don't think I agree with that. And the Lord said, well, did you pray about it? Touche. I guess I need to pray about this a little bit more. If you're gonna use your mouth, use it right. 
Don't let him use you as a gossiper or a slanderer. Because the thing is, you won't call yourself a gossiper. No, of course you won't. You won't call yourself a slanderer. No, that's too harsh. I just felt like I needed to talk to somebody. I was just really concerned. You will give yourself whatever title you want, but you have to judge your heart and judge your mouth and judge why you're talking to that person. Is that the person you need to talk to? And then if they're talking to you, what are you going to do with that information? Because it says in one of the notes I wrote down in the scriptures that gossip is like dainty morsels. They're like sweet candies that go deep down on the inside. Because then now you're going to have to deal with that gossip. You're going to have to deal with that slander. Because if you don't get it out, it's going to stay there. And the next time you see that person, you're going to think, hmm, I wonder if what they said was true. It's the tactic of the enemy. And it's so well covered, you think it's just people being people when the enemy's strategy is working to disrupt anointings. And so one of the things, you have to be aware of God's strategy when you go forward this year, but make sure you're not a participant in disrupting what God is trying to do. Because what happens if you do everything you're supposed to do, say everything you're supposed to say, and it doesn't get fixed? Are you supposed to stress about it or worry about it? So God, I did my part. It's on you now. And you stop talking about it. You cast that care. Notice that cast the care. Didn't talk about the care. Someone was, you know, we got switched up. It says cast the care, but we want to communicate the care. And I'm not talking about talking to spiritual leadership or your therapist or your accountability partner. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about randomly talking to everybody who listen. That is going to be a strategy of your destruction. We have to be careful and cautious over the words of our mouth because it opens the door for good or for evil. Jesus said, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. And so you have to make sure you don't talk, about, talk against your goals this year. Just because you had a bad day, well, I don't know how it's going to pass. Well, why'd you say that? You don't have to say something just because you had a bad day. Well, what should I say? If you don't know what to say, silence is great. Silence is golden. Sometimes silence is anointed. Well, what should I say? Whatever he tells you to say. Sometimes the Holy Ghost says, shut up. Listen to his voice. Do you know Jesus didn't respond to everybody who asked him a question? You know, I'm thinking about preaching a message when we lead up to Easter, how Jesus dealt with trolls. Because he had trolls in his day. Some he just outright ignored and drew in the dirt. They said, well, what should we do about this? The law says this. Well, what should we do? Then he paused, looked at them, said, well, he who's off sin cast the first stone. Looked up, everybody's gone. Woman, where are your accusers? They're gone. Well, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. You don't have to answer everybody. You have to keep this thing in check. Because if we're loose with our mouth, you know, the phrase goes, loose lips sink ships. Our mouth can destroy our lives, but it also can be a tool of the enemy to destroy what God is bringing together. 
Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commands a blessing, life forevermore. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. And so when you're dealing with people, because people have issues, just like you have issues, when it even concerns communicating that or knowing how to respond, you have to think the best of them. Because you know what? We want, we want people to judge us by our heart and our intentions. But we judge everybody else by their actions. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, the Amplified Classic Edition says, Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstance and endures everything without weakening. So when it comes to dealing with other people so that you're not a tool of the enemy, think the best. They might have done something stupid. Think the best. It was stupid, but I'm going to think the best. I'm not going to say this is what they really meant. I'm going to think the best. When you're dealing with your brothers, sisters, and faith, think the best. You're judging supernatural relations that have come together in your life. Think the best. Add this to your thought life. Is this really worth breaking what God has joined together? Or is this whole situation an attack from the enemy? to keep anointings from coming together. And you may have every reason in the world why you want to say something, but the question is, should you? Is it your place? Well, I, I'm American, I can say what I want to say, yes, and you get the results of every other American. Ah, freedom of speech, yes, not freedom of consequence though. Your mouth is powerful. Don't let it destroy your life, and don't let it be a tool the enemy does to destroy the anointings that are coming together. Because he'll look for a mouth. I know he will. That's what he does. He's always looking for a mouth that will yield. He's sly with it. He's slick with it. Don't fall for his devices. Keep your mouth right. Keep your mind right. We'll talk about imagination later. Keep your imagination right. Now, as a question amount of time, let me give you these seven things to do concerning general wisdom for pursuing your God-given goals this year. Number one, keep your goals in front of your eyes. Remember the scriptures, write the vision and make it plain that he that reads it may run with it. Number two, find pictures that connect with your goals. We're visual people. Keep that in front of your eyes. Number three, pray out, develop, and apply the plan to reach those goals. So now that you're setting your goals, we're about to get in faith together right now on the rest of this week and going forward, you should be, God, well, how should I get, how should I achieve these goals? What is the plan? And make sure that you work hard to complete the plan. I say, well, I'm waiting God to do it. If there's a part that you're supposed to do, work hard, hustle under the grace of God, hustle under the blessing of God to do your part. As Paul said, I worked harder than the rest of them and not just me, but the grace of God within me. Number four, make monthly assessments to see if you are on the right track to achieve, your, to achieve your goals. If you're not, adjust. 
Number five, share your goals with an accountability partner or one of our faith community leaders so we can help you stay accountable. Number six, continually speak what God said about your goals. Number seven, guard your thought life against discouragement. You will fulfill God's plan for your life and you will achieve your goals. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.